13. Play action. Lufau with time. Looking deep for the end zone. Touchdown! Devin Ross gets Colorado on the board first. Third down and seven. Blitz coming. Speed and trouble. The ball's loose. Scooped up by Colorado and a big man running all the way in for the touchdown. It's Derek McCartney. Along. Now watch it. That's just, that's great football. He's grabbing his right leg as he goes down. And he gets rid of it to Shea Fields, who takes it to the house. Toss play, Davion Smith looking for the edge. He's got Smith got Welcome into a special Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Joined by staff writer and photographer Patrick Gadosi. Colorado loses to Michigan 45-28. A lot to digest with this football game. A lot of layers in this one, Patrick. There were. Um, it kind of boils down to what could have been if you know the, the special teams are at least average. Um, and if Sefo doesn't get hurt, uh, the Buffs just hung with a and nearly beat a number of, you know top five team in the country. I've seen a lot of reactions on Twitter, and uh, it's mostly positive in terms of Colorado showing up and looking like a power conference football team on a big stage. But when you have a twenty-one to seven lead, and just the way, like you mentioned, just the the punting issues, the way it kind of fell apart for them is a tough pill to swallow. It's like this this coaching staff has, has spent so much time patching up, you know, so many weaknesses and then for them to finally be ready, not afraid, come out, you know, make land the first punch and then for punting to be the Achilles heel yeah. that and, and unfortunately I just use that term. But that unravels them is is brutal, you know. It's, there's always something and when you're in a rebuilding phase, you know, every single unit counts and we saw that today. Well, I feel like an idiot because Saturday mornings I do a radio spot with Michael Clar on, on <laughs> Sports Stampede Radio, and, and he made a big point about the fact that Michigan, uh, you know, the, the success they had on special teams against UCF being a big factor in this game. And I said, no, no, no. Alex Kinney got rid of those issues last year. They, they fixed those issues. It hasn't been an issue since early last season, and it reared its ugly head in a very bad way. And uh, Jabril Peppers is a guy that can make a lot of people look silly, but they certainly didn't help themselves. It was a shooting themselves in the foot type of deal, too, as well. Yeah, definitely. You would you would think they had a game plan for Peppers. Um, he's obviously such a big factor in every phase. Um, and Michigan's got athletes all over. You know, you have to be prepared for that when you're punting. It's, it's you got to get it off quick, and you got to know who you're punting to, and try and mitigate that you know threat. It's I think also frustrating when UCF does struggle in special teams, and you know that's something that Michigan's really good at. 
you've got to really hone in on that all week in practice. And, and maybe they did. I don't know. I mean, we didn't have their itinerary from practice. Right. But it sure didn't look like they spent any time doing that. The, the execution was certainly not there, which is a shame because this is the best effort a Colorado team's put forth on the road in years. I mean, against one of the most quality opponents they've faced on the road in years. So there's a lot of positives to be taken from this game, but it ended in a very uh, sour fashion. I threw it out to Twitter to send in questions or comments to me. Um, our first one comes from Man 76 His comment was, Ask Mac if he'll consider hiring a special teams coach. The shared approach is not working. Special teams cost them the game. There's kind of a, maybe a misnomer because Colorado did recently have a full-time special teams coach that that's a common thing. And it's and people wanted him gone. They, they <laughs> so did. Like, yeah. They didn't have the greatest special teams right. when Toby Nice was around here. It's not necessarily not having a full-time special teams coach, but there's something that they obviously need to fix there. Um, I don't know if the answer is, is, is hiring a full-time special teams coach. I want to venture to say somewhere around 80% of college football programs do it the way that Colorado is doing it right now mm-hmm. in terms of – and the thing is here is in practice, you can't have one coach coaching kickoff coverage, kickoff return at the same time. So you're splitting up those responsibilities anywhere. So – I don't agree that that's the issue, but there is an issue. Yeah, something needs to be addressed. I mean, it's you can't handle, you know, at the end of the day, you can't handle execution to a certain extent. Um, and, we, I mean, Kenny said he worked on, you know, the dropping all year. And he, I, last year I was really high on him. He was, he was booting the ball pretty deep. Um, didn't have too many issues last season. So I, I, I honestly didn't really see this coming like this. Like, and it, you never really see a special teams unit fail this spectacularly. But um, there's clearly work that needs to be done, and I don't really, I don't know what the best way to address it is at the moment, honestly. In the yeah, game. the first one that got blocked, it definitely there, there was both a blocking issue and Kenny yeah. taking too long to get the ball. If it was kind of both parties were to blame there, uh, then they go to the rugby style, and I see a lot of people complaining about that. The rugby works just fine as long as you don't kick it directly to mm-hmm. arguably the most dynamic player in college football right now. Yeah, you're basically throwing him up you know, a lob and and seeing what he does with it at that point. Yeah, you're kind of hanging your coverage team out to dry there. At J underscore Mills just said, Cepho status is all I need. We All we know at this point is that the x-rays were negative, but it is an ankle injury. It's not on the same. It's, it's the, right. the initial concern was, okay, is this a Liz Frank injury? It's not even the same foot. It's it's definitely an ankle injury. We don't know. In, in ankle injuries, it's such a vague thing in terms of recovery and exactly what it is. It could be a high ankle sprain and he could be limited for a really long time. It could be just a standard ankle sprain and he could be back soon. It's how it swells up, how, how he comes back. It's it's a crapshoot with those ankles. Yeah, especially like you like you said, if it's a high ankle sprain, then there's some issues there. That takes a lot longer to heal from. And even with the guy as tough as Cepho, it's, I mean, you can't, you can only tough through so much. And you could see he couldn't protect himself in the pocket. And obviously that was immediately after the injury. I would expect him to honestly miss next week. Um, it's going to be, that thing's going to feel worse tomorrow for sure. Um, whether, whether it's high ankle sprain or, or just, you know, an ankle sprain. But if it was just an ankle sprain, you know, he wouldn't have looked as immobile as he was. And so you have to believe it's fairly serious. Um, but I think it's something, if you're Cephalufau, maybe a couple weeks he's coming back from would be my initial guess knowing nothing except that it's a right ankle sprain and they'll obviously find out more this week but if it's yeah if he's looking like he did then you know it's pretty pretty bad yeah obviously we're speculating here but yeah just knowing how tough Cepho is and what kind of pain tolerance he has right. I just I have a hard time believing that he's going to be starting next Saturday at Autzen Stadium 
which puts a whole damper on this game, puts a damper on this podcast, puts a damper <laughs> on the, the lead up to the Oregon game because yeah. you have this genuine genuine feeling and seeing Oregon go and lose at Nebraska and, and knowing that their defense is not that good and that that's a team that can be beaten even though it's a very tough road environment. You know, if Cepho doesn't get hurt, you come out of this game thinking that Colorado has a really, really, really good chance to win that football game. But based off what we saw from Steven Montez, and uh, it, that's a tough situation being thrown into, and it will help him to get all the reps with the ones if he is indeed going to play next week and to have the game plan suited to his strengths. But he didn't complete a pass today, and he had some opportunities to make some plays, and he didn't. Yeah, Steven, he'll obviously look better with like a week of game planning and tailoring to his, his strengths and, and all that, but... Uh, the one that's brutal is George Frazier's drop in the end zone when he yeah. hit him pretty much in the hands. Maybe things change a little bit if that gets completed. Maybe Steven gets some confidence. Maybe the offense, you know, if they give him more protection. Things kind of fell apart all around. Um, sure, some of the blame is with Montez there, but the offensive line was collapsing at that point also. Um, and Michigan kind of knew what was coming as well. Like, they were just kind of like, you know, they knew, they knew what they were going to do. So, um, if... I'd expect better out of Steven Montez, but if but it's brutal. It's brutal because if Cepho's out for you know longer than two weeks, then this team just took a serious hit. Because with Cepho, they are absolutely a bowl team, and they're borderline top twenty-five. Like honestly, what they showed today, like if you go on the road and play a top five team, and if that top five team is Michigan, that's pretty dang good. And uh, if I mean Oregon's beatable for sure with Cepho as your quarterback. So the one thing that couldn't happen today happened, which is yeah, a shame. yeah. And of course, Diego Gonzalez. The <clears throat> Reports at this point certainly sounds like uh, it's pos- it's most likely a, a torn Achilles tendon, which is a huge bummer. This we talk all the time about how nice a kid this is, and yeah, he got he worked so hard to get better, and yeah, he had that miss from the left hash, but he's still I think with the improvements he's he's made at least an average, if not a slightly better than average college football kicker, um, and he's already used his red shirt. This isn't his second year missing, so this would be a tough way to end your college career. That's also a massive shame. Like, Diego is a great kid, and it's so valuable to have someone who can boot it out of the end zone. You know, exactly. that's, we saw a big difference in these first three games as compared to last year. You know, you're, you're saving yourself a lot of field position there. So that's a huge hit, and it's just it's a, it's a shame because Diego is a great kid. Like, if this is the way his career ends, then that's it's just a massive bummer for him and for the team. And he was really struggling at times last year, mm-hmm. and they never went to Chris Graham. So, I mean, yeah. we'll see what Chris Graham does. He's going to get that opportunity now, um, if the reports are true. But uh, you're not feeling so confident about that going forward. No, we know that the you know the kickoff coverage team is going to have its work cut out for it at least. And field goals are, uh, at this point, to be a crapshoot, essentially. It sounds like Derek McCartney hurt his ankle in the game as well. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate you, you want to talk about what happened, especially in the first quarter, and take some of the positives away, but it's just this injury cloud, this dark cloud kind of hangs over today for this Colorado program. At Oklahoma Buff had this comment on Twitter, showed a lot of promise, but there's still a gap of having the athletic ability and depth to be a top 10 team. Well, absolutely. I don't think anybody's talking about this being a top 10 team, but... You mentioned if Cepho's healthy, this is a borderline top 25 team, and I, I agree with you. Uh, this Michigan team, who knows? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. They could potentially be a college football playoff contender. They're ranked fourth in the country right now. Yeah, Michigan's got a tough uh, back end of their schedule, but, I mean, they're no joke, clearly. The tough thing is that 
the buffs depth only goes so like they have the experience now and like the 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 buffs are good to a point but they still have a ways to go till they have that two deep that's really solid that can withstand injuries that happen in college football because they just happen that's they're just not at that point yet which is you know that's that <laughs> when you rebuild you need a certain amount of luck to go your way to get to the point where you can have that depth and as everyone knows all too well CU has not had very much luck in the past two or three years yeah. when they have been threatening or on the cusp. And now when they're finally ready to overcome that, um, they're going to have to deal with a few more injury hits, um, which is going to be tough, and it's going to be interesting to see where this team can go and how long Seth out for. Got another comment here, or I guess it's a question, at Greg Tucker 21 asked, who is the CU coach responsible for punt team? Don't give me committee answer. You know, the honest answer is I don't know. McIntyre talked about how they split up the responsibilities, but he didn't actually asked him about that at media day, and he didn't really specifically point out exactly what everybody's role was. I'll try to do some digging find that out. I mean, at, at this point, it's – I mean, McIntyre is certainly going to get in that, that coach's ear. I'm guessing that question's getting asked as we speak in Ann Arbor right now, but I, I can't be sure. That would be interesting to hear how exactly the – that works, because, yeah, I, I, I don't know either. Brandon Rhodes on Twitter asked, Does the fourth quarter today mean Atkins is out of the doghouse slash part of the running back rotation going forward? Uh, I don't think so. I think they just wanted to get him some run um, and see you know, how he was feeling and how he could do. I don't really... He, I doubt he'll see much you know, meaningful time unless something changes. Somebody's going to get hurt at some point in the season. That's mm-hmm. just the nature of the running back position. I think at some point Atkins will get a chance. Mm-hmm. But I think he's clearly behind Kyle Evans right yeah. now. Kyle Evans had a really, really consistent camp. This is not just a charity thing, a feel-good thing. This is a new scholarship guy, so let's give him a run. He's legitimately a talented back in the yeah. Pac-12. He gives you more options, too. Um, you can do a lot with Kyle Evans. And he's, you know, he's, he's that low center of gravity, you know, quick guy. And he, uh, he's definitely more of a threat at, at this point than, than Atkins is. It was mop-up duty, so I probably shouldn't even bring this up. But he had the same yards per carry average today as Philip Lindsay. So... Um, I think you're going to continue to see a little bit of, of Kyle Evans, even though he was more in mop-up duty today. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we got another question here. At Ralphie9677 said, special teams and the loss of Cepho costs you the game. If Cepho has a serious injury, then season is lost and a new coach is likely. Uh, I would venture that at some point Cepho Lufau is coming back this season. A, a very pessimistic as I shared already about him being back next week, <laughs> but he'll be back there. And, and no no question special teams and Cepho injury cost him the game. That's No one's debating that, but mm. let's not jump off a cliff here and, and start acting the suicidal version of, of you know, of a fan. You know, like there, there's still a chance for this football team to accomplish some things this year, especially given how bad the Pac-12, other Pac-12 teams have looked early on. The only game that's not winnable on the schedule is at Stanford, in my opinion. So there's everything still to achieve for this team, even if Cepho misses some time. Um, Montez has an arm. You know, it's just, it's, the situation was terrible today. Um, he will do better. He won't be Cepho, that's for sure. And, and he, you know, I don't know if he can win at Oregon, but he will do better than he showed today. So this team is good enough to beat anyone except Stanford and, and maybe at the Coliseum at USC where they never play well. So that one might be. And by then, USC might have their, their stuff together. So um, it's all ahead of this team. I mean, they, the bowl is still in play. But without Cepho, then if, if he's gone for like more than two weeks, then we might there might be some issues there. We might have to look and say, you know, if they come out with four wins, what happens? And it's hard to 
It's really hard. I mean, there's too much. There's too much I had to say anything definitively on that. If you take out the injury part of today, what kind of grade do you give Colorado in this football game? It's tough. It's it's tough answer. That's I'm giving you a tough question here. It depends on how like strict a grader you are, right? Um, yeah. You know, if the special teams is a third of the game and they basically failed, so you know, two out of three, <laughs> it's like. That's like a D or a C, but no, it's, it's, I give him overall a B plus, honestly, like to come out and land the first punches like that. And, and that's what people really were looking for, I think, because no one had huge expectations. Everyone was cautiously optimistic about this game, but we haven't seen the Colorado team, you know, come out flying like that on the road against, I mean, they weren't scared and that's all we want on the road at this point and all fans want. Um, so I'd give him a B plus, you know, special teams brings that to that point. Um, if we're not, if we're taking out injuries, you know, special teams deserves a whole grade down. Great level down. I've appreciated Jabril Peppers since he got to Michigan, and I've always made a point if like I can watch some Michigan and kind of key on him and really enjoy him, I do. I did not know he was quite this good though. This he was on another planet today, and we get to see Cheeto Bayouzi every week, and he's one of the better defensive backs in college football. But Jabril Peppers again, different planet type of player. Yeah, Jabril is like. He's almost like LeBron in some ways. He just takes a complete beating from all sides. He's in the game the entire time, and he never wore down. Like, not a, he's never going to wear down. It's insane. I don't know if he can keep that up for another whole season. Probably, because he's a freak. But uh, he's going to be... You'll make the NFL way more fun to watch, too, when he gets there. Like, that is a Swiss Army knife, if I've ever seen one. And um, Yeah, he's impressive. He's going to help that team win some games that maybe they were on the cusp of losing down the road when their schedule gets really tough. Yeah, I'm trying to pour salt in the wound here, but 204 return yards alone from him today. It's game-changing. I mean, the, the special teams were, were what defined this game. So, And even though, even without that, though, like, Peppers, he almost wouldn't have had a huge, he wouldn't have had the, huge, the biggest impact on this game other than, you know, his special teams play and, and the fact that they kept kicking, like, to him at, at the middle of the field with yeah. no coverage to help. At Bob Marks, 76, wanted to know specifically why were the special teams so bad. And I, uh, part of it, we mentioned a little bit earlier, is I thought Kenny had gotten rid of this last year, but especially on the first block, it, it, there's just kind of a little bit of a delay from the time he gets to the ball to the time he gets into the movement of getting into his punt. You have to be kind of doing that simultaneously, catching the ball and getting into that movement because it, there's not a whole lot of time to get that thing off. Yeah. And then again with the shield guys, they just seem to not know the responsibility. They just were out of their game at that point. The next, the next, you know, the next punt. You're asking him to do a rugby style kick, which he really hasn't done in a game situation that I can remember. So now you're doing. Now he's doing something that's kind of unfamiliar in a pressure situation, and that that leads to you know a shank into the back of your lineman. It was kind of just you know a snowballing of issues after that first coverage. The first like block was missed, and then Kenny was too late to get the ball yeah. out. It kind of just snowballed from there. And give Michigan some credit. I mean, this is the back to back weeks that they've been. Amazing on special teams. So clearly there's some kudos that need to be sent that way because, again, going back to the fact that UCF did really well, you have to assume Colorado spent considerable time pre preparing and trying to get the players ready for that. So they probably threw in some new wrinkles. So I don't know what's going on with Michigan, but they, they've done a great job with their special teams. Uh, Nick Bueller, uh, he wanted to, to ask, how does Kenny rebound from this performance? And I think he will. He did last year. He had a rough start. Yeah, he's young. Um, he's he's a pretty confident dude, as from everything I've I know of him. Um, 
I think he'll be fine. He does really honestly have the leg. Um, it just is a matter of getting the, the fundamentals down to get it the boot up quicker. I think I think he'll rebound. Um, that, I mean, remains to be seen. Also, they may not face a better special teams unit than they did today, which is something. So, in a tougher environment, I mean, obviously the Pac-12 is really hard environments, but that's as tough as it gets to in the big house. So, We're kind of in this weird place with Colorado because I think, you know, McIntosh's first couple of years... You just you'd look at the positives because you knew that it was a building program, and even though this is a top five program in the country, you're still at the point where you just don't like doing the moral victory thing anymore. I'm just like so sick of it. There are positives you have to take from today, but when you're up twenty-one to seven, I don't care if it's on the road in front of one hundred ten thousand fans. That's that's an opportunity you need to capitalize on. So it's. A situation where, again, you don't want to go to the extreme of like saying this is a lost season, but you also you don't feel good tonight going to bed as a CU fan. You just don't. You're gonna wake up tomorrow kind of just feeling grumpy about things. It's yeah, it's it's like you gotta put your guard up even when they get up early because you know Michigan's good enough they're gonna come back. But yeah, this this is a game they could have had, and it's like we've been saying that for two or three years now, you know. Um, and it's especially difficult when it's the number four team on the road that you have on the ropes. Um, but the, the, the only thing that you can still do now is that before this game, the outcome had no impact on the Pac-12 slate, because, you know, if you lose, you're at Michigan, it's, you know, but they, then they go out like that, we always get in the same situation, like you said, like, the Buffs then, oh, they're here, and they, they're actually, you know, playing really well, they have a chance they should win this game, and then some mistakes, you know, rear up, and they don't, but the fact that this now does have an impact on the Pac-12 slate because of the injuries that exactly. were sustained is yep. the problem, and that's why... This is this one's gonna stick. Otherwise, you could just put it behind you like a bad, you know, a bad hole in golf. Like, all right, great, that's done. We don't have to deal with it again. It's not gonna hurt us at all. It, this one does hurt now because twofold because the injuries, and then because the injuries affected the result of the game, which could have been a win, which could have catapulted this program to new heights that it hasn't been to in many, many years. Ed J. Pauly, eleven, asked, "Is Montez the starter next year?" I definitely am not writing Montez off, again, given the circumstances. I mean, think of it like your first meaningful snaps in a football game are in the middle of a game against a top-five program. It's, I, I don't want to beat the kid up too much. Uh, he didn't play well today, though. That's the bottom line. Uh, I still think he's got a bright future. You've seen even a little bit last week against Idaho State. When again, though, I don't. I don't think those were meaningful snaps, obviously. Um, but you still saw some of the arm talent. You saw some of the elusiveness, some of the uh, ability to run. But he's going to have to compete for that job. There's no question. Sam Neuer came in, and he's got good pocket presence for a true freshman. He is very accurate with the ball. Um, he gets the ball out quick, which is really, really important in this offense. That's one edge I think he's going to have over Steven Montez a little bit. And then there's this guy named Tyler Lytle that had 26 other scholarship offers that verbally is verbally committed to the Buffaloes as well. I think you've got to have a full-on competition, don't you? Yeah, all three guys for sure. And that can only be good um, for where this program's going to be next offseason. Um, Montez has the attitude to do it. He's, he's, like, he's a leader. He's got all the intangibles. Um, and he's an, he's an athlete for sure all around. Um, he's got a long ways to go, and, and for me, getting the ball out quickly may be the most important thing. I would, I personally think it might still be Montez that wins that battle next year, but it'll be impossible to know until we see, and, and Neuer has, he has a chance to do some really good things, and, you know, Lytle could be, you never know, with someone coming in like that. What you do like for, and, and I mean, we're already looking ahead to next year, which we probably yeah. shouldn't be doing, yeah. but just real quick, a point to make here is that 
you're returning basically everybody else on offense except for Sean Irwin, who they really haven't utilized much this year. So it will help the new quarterback. You get Jawan Winfrey back if he attacks that rehab process the way we expect him to. You're going to have some weapons at receiver. You're going to have all your running backs back. You're going to have, depending on what Jeremy Irwin does, I know he hasn't been definitive that he's going to come back for that sixth year, but he will get that granted by the NCAA. And based off his play today, I don't think he's going to the NFL right now. Um, so I think that will be at least a positive when you look at a, a fresh quarterback coming in there. At Buffs09 on Twitter, wanted to know our thoughts on not being able to set the edge defensively. That is kind of a deal with playing Michigan. They're very, very good at, at getting the edge there. That was also, Christian Shaver played a lot because McCartney went out. Um, they were running to his side, which he actually, he made a couple plays, but um, that's, Michigan's just really good. Like, they are gonna, you know, they've got bodies that they can throw at you. Um, it's tough to set the edge against a team like that consistently. We got a, we got a joker on here. At Nick underscore Oleg. How did Cartman look tonight? What, was he left tackle? What I can't remember was? exactly, but he looked fine, I guess. Yeah, he was Cartman. All right, let's see if we have any other questions here. Okay, we have one from at News 110589. Why do some college teams do that awful punt block formation? Never see that spread out in pros. I'd have to ask a special teams guy, and that's actually a good question for McIntyre this year because there's certainly a reason for it. They're not just, right. well, this looks... This looks fun. Let's do this. Now, there's a reason behind it. Um, it certainly works if you execute it right, <laughs> which yeah. they didn't do today. Yeah, that comes down to execution. I'd be, yeah, I'd like to know the thinking behind um, going to that, going that route. At JD Gershon said, had to kick the ball away from Peppers, and we must get better in the kick game overall. Our D came to play, but not enough edge speed. Good points mm -hmm. there. Yeah, I mean, at some point with those punts, like, don't you just like even instruct Kenny just to like try to get it thirty-five yards out of bounds or something? I mean, yeah, I would, I would do like a coffin corner to like the forty or something. <laughs> like, just don't, yeah, just kick to the sidelines even better than what the alternative is at that point. Do you, do you have a question? I have a question from uh, Cordell to Westbrook here. He says, "Why the terrible play calls when only down ten was losing Cepho that demoralizing for both the players and the coaches?" And I was kind of saying to Adam as we were watching, I was hoping they would give Montez some more chances to get downfield. And they kind of, they did, and Frazier, Frazier missed that pass, missed that catch. Um, but they kind of just went with the runs at that point. Um, I, I don't, why do you think they weren't, you know, I guess it's because Montez got thrown into the game and it's hard to like completely revamp your game plan at that point. But what, was your, what were your thoughts on the play calling once Montez came in? Only down 10. I, I thought there were plays out there for him, to, for him to make, honestly. You know, you look at the third down where he overthrew uh, Sean Irwin. There were a couple other plays. In, in the It seemed like all of a sudden, as soon as he went in there, didn't the O-line play almost seem to get worse? Yeah, they were collapsing like pretty hard. So, it's I mean, it's, it's easy to criticize the play call, but if your offensive line is not executing and, and your quarterback is not making a simple third down pass, it's hard to look good as a play caller, right? Yeah, I think it was just like a meltdown of, of everything. <laughs> like the whole situation, I think, was just a complete collapse. I don't know if, you know, at that point. I... Now it was a brilliant play call uh, that you mentioned earlier that George Frazier dropped in the end zone. I mean, I've been clamoring for two years now for George Frazier to get some playmaking abilities and... He dialed up, uh, Lindgren dialed up a great play there. It was his chance. <laughs> it was his chance to prove you right. And the ball just went through his hands. 
It was. I did have to do a double take though that George Frazier was that deep down the field. Of course, it took about three laterals for him to get down the field that far. But <laughs> yeah, that's how you have to do it. That's got to be so frustrating as an offense coordinator because that's the type of play that you probably have to practice quite a bit, and you put it in your back pocket, and you know, like you're only going to use it in a circumstance where, like, you really, really, really need a big play at yeah. Michigan. You're still in the game at that point. And it works, mm-hmm. but then you drop the pass. That's just one more of the brutal things that happened after the first quarter in this game. That was kind of the last little, okay, the buffs might be done now. We used to be critical of Eric Bieniemy's demeanor before he got moved down to the sideline because Mark Johnson in the KOA booth actually had to be moved away from the coach's booth because EB would be so loud banging into the walls there. But I put myself into an offensive coordinator's shoes in that situation i'm probably freaking out too so I, it's, it's good that lindgren has a kind of that cerebral approach i guess uh and it's good it's worked as a pretty good combination with chev on the field you see him really active on the sidelines and really involved and in, um setting that tempo down on the field i like that combination i still i like what this this team is capable it kind of goes back to but if sefo's hurt then all that is kind of uh you know tempered going forward yeah the yin and the yang of of Chev and Lingren are is really great so far. Um, also, how about Levitt getting in the way of the officials, just drawing penalties? Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of unfortunate, but you know, it's Levitt. It's what he does. He's yeah, out there. You know, it's almost better though that it was him because if it was like some random like you know oh, like yeah, trainer Matt, or something, can you imagine Matt how bad they would feel? At least throttled. like yeah. At right. Buffum up asked if we take a loss against Oregon, how does that hurt our bowl chances? I mean, any loss hurts your bowl chances. That's the first game of nine in conference. I think there's a lot. I mean, there. I don't just think. I know there's a lot of beatable teams in this conference, and everybody knows that. You've, you see that watching these first. We're recording this, you know, right after the CU game, the first two and a half weeks of college football. Yeah, Oregon would hurt because it's essentially the second most winnable road game, maybe the most winnable, depending on. I don't really. We don't really know how good Arizona is yet. So that would it would hurt in that sense. Um, you basically have to sweep your home slate the rest of the way because I don't see them winning at USC or at Stanford even with Cepho. Um But you never know. Um, but Oregon hurts in the sense that if you do need to win a road game, that's one of the two that you can potentially win at this point. Alex Cespedes on Twitter had this comment. What would the final score have been if the universe wasn't designed to make me as miserable as possible? And this is written in all caps. <laughs> Alex, a lot of Buff fans out there feel your pain. Yeah, God. Uh, so they make that field goal that Diego misses, take 14 points off the board for Michigan. You've got, what, like 31, 31-28-ish game? Yeah. I don't, they, yeah, they, there's there were every opportunity for them to win that game. If Sefo doesn't get hurt, and who knows, we're, I'm just absolutely guessing here, I'm going to say something like Michigan squeaks by, like by a point or three points or something. Um, they were still, the kind of momentum had already shifted uh, for the most part. But I don't think uh, there's any way Colorado loses this game by 17 if Sefo's still healthy. Michigan probably would have gotten theirs one way or another, which was kind of my, my thoughts when, we, when the Buffs went up 14 nothing. As you know, Michigan's good. They're going to find a way to score. It's just to hand them the points like that is what stings so much. You can't, you absolutely can't do that. You can't do that against like an average team. You can't, let alone the top five team on the road. At Orange Bowl, Matt asked, body language late in the game looked like they had conceded. Did they quit? 
more disappointment than quit, right? I mean, the defense was still out there yeah. stopping Michigan. and I think they were just, like, worn, just completely worn down from everything that had happened at that point. You know, the defense did absolutely everything they could, considering the positions they were put in. Um, and the offense, it's demoralizing to lose Cepho like that because it's happened so many times. And it's like, at that point, I and Michigan's just a physical team. You know, they're going to wear it down. I don't think they quit. I think they were just, like, just beaten down at that point. Well, here's an interesting comment from our good friend Jace Kinney. In response to that question that we just got from Orange Bowl, Matt, he said, Sheffield said on 850K away, some of them quit. Okay. Well, I'm also, one, I'm not too surprised Shea said that. <laughs> Shea's pretty uh, straightforward. Um, maybe the offensive, I mean, it, I, the offensive line played pretty terribly when Cepho was gone, so maybe at that point the towel was thrown in. It's hard to tell from our TV sets, so I mean, yeah, we really don't yeah. know. See here at jbenny33 asked, did you feel that Lindgren was not aggressive enough in the second half after Montez came into the game? We kind of answered that. Anything else you want to add there? There was just wasn't much they could do. Period. Considering what Michigan was doing, and and they did. They took they took a few shots right away, and then they kind of went away from it for reasons that like the offensive line, you know, wasn't playing well. Whether they quit or not, you know, it's just they they just couldn't do anything. Doug Van Ripper asked, what are the odds Cepho is more injured than a sprain? Well, they did x-rays, so we know that there's not anything broken there, which you know, we were talking about this. If, if it's a high ankle sprain, you, I've heard people say this before. Sometimes a broken ankle is actually easier to recover from, from a high ankle sprain. Again, ankles are just really tough to predict, uh, but we do know nothing's broken. We do know it is an ankle. It's, if it was a ruptured Achilles, Cepho would not have been walking out on the field after the game. Um, I had that injury. You're not, you're not giving high fives after a football game. And Diego, it sounds like, had that. And yeah. We did not see him again on the sidelines. Yeah, which is brutal. Also, that Cepho's touchdown throw to Shea after that injury was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen anyone do on a football field. And Adam was sitting here and he goes, you, oh, as Seppo's rearing back, he's like, you know this one's going deep and he's going to score. And of course it happens. Like yeah. that, that play was too much emotion to handle for like anyone. Like there's <laughs> weight. Because at that point I was kind of thinking it's Liz Frank was hurt again. Like it was that. And I didn't know. And you didn't know. And that was, that was one of the most stunning turns of emotion I've ever seen. I don't, that was, I don't have any other words to describe what happened there. And then he drops to his knee and needs help off the field. Right. Like, Man, like I've said this before, the way he handled the Davis Webb situation, the toughness he's shown, the maturity he's shown, being a great teammate, developing into a great leader, being a three-year captain, I have a soft spot in my heart for that dude. Like, he is an absolute warrior. He really is. Yeah, Sefo is the quintessential buff. Um, he's been everything for this program for the past four years, and he's one of the biggest reasons they were where they were today, why they've gotten to this point where they can legitimately say they should have beaten a top-four team on the road. At Buffalo85 asked, why go with Gurky in the fourth? Montez didn't look that bad and needs reps. He was only in there for one play, and that was because Montez's helmet came off. It's an NCAA rule. You have to sit up the next play. It's kind of unfortunate because it's like third down, and you got to throw in a fresh quarterback. But Yeah, he had to come in. Then they, they threw it to Atkins, and he was like a yard short of the first down on that play, I think. I can't remember. But, yeah, he had to come in. Well, any last thoughts here? I... Obviously, all our thoughts on this upcoming Oregon game are all going to be based off Sefa Lufau and his injury situation. And the way Mike McIntyre and his staff have kind of handled things, they haven't gone completely underground, like doing the Jim Harbaugh thing with no depth chart and all that stuff. But they're going to probably be pretty quiet about Sefo this week. I, 
I would be very surprised if Mike McIntyre comes out in the media and says definitively one way or the other. And of course that forces Oregon to spend more time game planning. Although, if it is Steven Montez taking over, I don't know. You don't have a whole lot of game tape that you really have to mull over, right? No, you kind of know what, what you're going to have to do against him and the offense. But, um, yeah, I I expect if, if Montez is going on, on Saturday in Oregon, which I expect him to, then this you know they'll have a game plan drawn up that can be effective. It's whether it gets executed at that point um, is, is what we'll have to wait and see. It'll be really, really, really interesting going forward. Um, they could have come out of this game with such a different feeling, but injuries happen, and they happen very often to Colorado quarterbacks. I have one more question here sure. from Slushy Gutter. He has asked, has CU considered petitioning the NCAA to eliminate plays in which striking a ball with a foot is utilized? That might be prudent <laughs> to do going forward. That might help them make a bowl game because... Anytime CU is punting or kicking is going to be a complete crapshoot for the rest of the season. So I hope everyone enjoys that because it's going to be a wild ride. Absolutely, absolutely. So does it come down to this? If Cepho comes back relatively soon, this is a bowl team. If he doesn't, they're not? As of right now, I think so. We, have a, we can wait and see on Montez, but as of right now, it's hard to think they make a bowl without Cepho, which is absolutely brutal. But it's, as of right now, that's what it appears to be, the situation. It was so close for there for a minute to being a truly memorable day to be a Colorado Buffalo fan out there. I hope listening to this provided some type of therapy. <laughs> I feel like it, just talking about it sometimes helps, Patrick. Yeah, I got to break it down and, and kind of get it out there, and then might might help you sleep a little tonight. I don't. It's going to be tough waking up tomorrow, regardless for for people out there. Well, this was good, Patrick. I appreciate your company uh, watching the game and uh, on this podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Great to join you. And thanks for all of you for tuning in. We'll uh, keep you up to date as much as we can with Cephal Lufau this week up in Boulder.